Hi everyone, and welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm your DJ and host, Sam Wilson Jr., and I'll be bringing you the history of black music, gospel, jazz, blues, old school classic soul, old school hip hop, today's hip hop and R&B, Caribbean, Latin, Afrobeat, Afro-Latina, Blue-Eyed Soul, Disco, Go-Go, Lion Dances, and The Lost 45s. So come join me right now as I bring you the history of Black music, right now on the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and welcome to a very special Black Soul Music Experience podcast as we celebrate Black Music Month. On this episode, I got a chance to interview my friend and colleague from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham, as she tells us about her memories about Prince. So before I let you get a chance to listen to the interview, it's time for me to read his biography. Prince Rogers Nelson, commonly known as Prince, was born on June 7, 1958 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He was a singer, songwriter, musician, record producer, and record entrepreneur. Prince was widely regarded as one of the greatest musicians of his generation. He was known for his flamboyant and both his masculine and feminine characteristics. His wide vocal range, which included as far-reaching falsetto and high-pitched screams, and his skills as a multi-instrumentalist often preferring to play all of the most of the instruments on his recordings. Prince produced his albums, pioneering the Minneapolis sound. His music incorporated a wide variety of styles, including funk, R&B, rock, new wave, soul, synth pop, pop, jazz, and hip-hop. Prince had hits with Warner Brothers Records, from 1978 to 1996. Then in 1995, he formed his own record label called MPG Records, which stands for New Power Generation, which was distributed by Arista Records at the time, then later switched over to Columbia Records Sony Music. In 2004, Prince was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He has won over two American Music Awards, including an Award of Merit and an Award of Achievement. He also won the Billboard Icon Award, an Academy Award for Best Original Song for the movie Purple Rain, and a Golden Globe Award for the movie as well, and a People's Choice Award too. In 2019, the 1984 movie Purple Rain was added to the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. for preservation in the National Film Registry for being culturally, historically, or significant. And he was inducted twice into the Black Music and Entertainment Walk of Fame in 2016 and in 2022. Sadly, 
Prince died on April 21st, 2016. He was 57 years old, just two months away from his 58th birthday. The cause of death was accidental fentanyl overdose. Prince leaves behind a legacy body of work. All of his music, all of his arrangements, and everything. And yes, he is best known for his prodigy of ladies that he performed with. From Vanity to Apollonia to Sheena Easton. And yes, he once wrote a song for the female group, The Bangles. So what does Alicia Keys, The Bangles, and Haim all have in common? They were influenced by Prince, just like Michael Jackson and Prince were both influenced by James Brown. So I'm about to bring you an interview with my friend and colleague, Tanya Dunham. She's going to talk about her pilgrimage to Minneapolis, Minnesota. What was it like being in the musician's home, which includes his studios his unreleased recordings, and everything. And I'll ask her about her memories about Prince. I had a wonderful conversation with my friend and colleague, Tanya Dunham, and I hope you enjoyed this interview too. So I'm about to bring you my interview with my friend and colleague from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham, as we talk about the legacy of Prince. Welcome to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. As you know, we're in the month of June and we are celebrating Black Music Month. So on this episode of the Black Soul Music Experience podcast, we're going to be doing the legacy of Prince. And yes, Prince would have turned 65 on June 7th. So on this episode, I have a very special guest. And I mean, I finally got a guest on my podcast. And yes, she's my friend and colleague who's a producer for CBS News. And I've been knowing her for over 20 years. And she made a pilgrimage to Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. We're going to talk about the legacy of Prince all of his greatest hits, all of his appearances, and et cetera, et cetera. So I have a pleasure and honor to have on my podcast, the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, please welcome a good friend of mine from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Hi, Tanya. How you doing? Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm doing fine in you. Uh, welcome to my podcast. I am so happy to be here on your podcast, Sam. It's a great podcast. Love it. Love music. Oh, yes, yes. You know, I've been struggling to get a guest when I first started this podcast back in 2021. And I've been playing music for the past two seasons, so... So now everything has been changing. So now I got to start talking more, which I'll be doing for season three. And hopefully I will get a special guest and hopefully sometimes we'll do guests and rotate, et cetera, et cetera. That is awesome. 
Yes, so we're going to talk about the legacy of Prince. And yes, Prince would have turned 65 on June 7th. And share with me what was some of your memories of Prince. We're going to talk about his appearance and his style and his performing. So what was your memories of Prince? I have a lot of memories of Prince. Um, I start. I first heard him when I was, I think I was 12 years old back in the 80s, the early 80s. Um, he came out with this, uh, first of all, he was handsome, very handsome. He's fine. I mean, keep it real. He's fine. He was on, on uh, the Soul Train Award, uh, Soul Train, I think, uh, what was it called back then? Yeah, Soul Train. And um, American Bandstand, I saw him on. So he had this appearance that I just fell in love with first. Then his music. So that was back in the early 80s, like 81, 82, when he, uh, what song, the song that I fell in love with was I Want to Be Your Lover. Now, I think there was a couple of songs before that, but the one that caught my eye or caught my ears, per se, was um, I Want to Be Your Lover. Yeah. So he was on the scene now. So, oh, he's cute. You know, I'm a young teen. You know, um, his look was everything. But... Um, when I really, really became a Prince fan was not there. It started there, but um, because he was nasty. That's this is keep it real. He was Prince was nasty in his early early days, and uh, as a young teen, teens like the nasty raw rock and roll type stuff. So um, he got my eye when I was like twelve, and then Purple Rain came out, and just took it from there. From there. Yeah, I was about to say one of my favorite songs was I Want to Be Your Lover. And yes, when VH1 had the best of American bandstand, when they had the repeats and everything, I got a chance to see Prince in, yeah, on American bandstand performing his song. So when Dick Clark was getting ready to interview him, it was a hard time trying to interview Prince and things like that. <laughs> He was very vague with his answers on, on, on the show. Very vague. Yeah, so uh, you mentioned, um, you know, his style and everything. What what was going through your mind when you see him, whether it's on Soul Train or American Bandstand or any other late-night talk shows from back in the days? Oh, yeah. So in the beginning, he had no clothes on. <laughs> Every woman's dream. A nice-looking man up here showing his chest, his buttocks, you know, his butt and everything. He had no clothes on, and he was very edgy, very edgy. And as, like I said, as a teen, you know, as teens, we like edginess, period. So it, he was doing things that people weren't really talking about. You know, he was up here dressing, you know, with the underwear, his underwear on and some leggings probably, you know, some whatever. And the whole thing is... Um, <laughs> Uh, I loved his hair personally. I loved his hair. His hair was beautiful. He had a lot of hair. And uh, back then when I was a teen, hair was everything. You know, feather was in. You know, if you were back there in the eight, early 80s, you had, your hair was feathered or you had a tail or whatever. But um, his hair was everything. Every time he moved, that hair was just beautiful, beautiful hair. Um, but the underwears and the edginess and the makeup really was embodied in my, at that time for me as a teen that he was, you know, he was the coolest dude on earth, you know? We had Michael Jackson, 
he was wearing a little bit of makeup too, but he wasn't he wasn't rock and rollish, and that's what got me with Prince. Prince was rock, soul, every genre of music you want to do, you think you could think of, Prince was that to me. Yeah, um, when I first seen him, and just like you said, you know, back then he was a little younger. He had that perm. And when I'm looking at that perm, I was thinking about James Brown and Barry White and everything. And, and that big earring that he had when he first came out. When I, when I first saw his video, uh, back then BET had this thing called Grown Folks Music, which usually come on at 1130 Thursday night right after BET News. And when I saw that video, he was playing everything. He played the electric piano, drums, and everything. I mean, he had played everything. So it, I think he was proficient in about a uh, hundred instruments. Yeah, that's true. He he played lots of instruments. You know, when he did his music tracks and everything, yeah, it was like wow. You know, just like Stevie Wonder, he did the drums and everything. Prince was like, you know, picking up where Stevie left off. Right. So when he first started um, and he was getting signed to Warner Brothers, um, they didn't know how to put him out because uh, on tour because uh, he he did all the vocals, all the music and everything. So they had, they had to find him a band in order for him to go on tour for concerts and stuff like that. So because he was a musical genius, he did everything. And he was a perfectionist. He wanted it done his way, and it was just easier for him to do it than to teach somebody else to do it, to try to teach somebody his vision, you know? So. Yeah, so, yeah, I kind of, like, you know, agree with what you're saying because, you know, he had a little fight with Warner Brothers, you know, with creative control and things like that. We're going to talk about that later in a few minutes. But the next question, have you ever been to a Prince concert? Oh, yes, I have. I have. Um, my first concert was uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, when he came down uh, to Atlanta back in, this is the early 90s sometime, actually 97. And I was I was uh, working at a news station in Atlanta, and one of his publicists called to give um, passes backstage to to not to interview him, but just to you know get video of him walking to the stage and yada 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 and the concert itself. So I just happened to answer the phone, and uh, they called the assignment desk, and uh, I was like all over the story. I'm going out on the story. This is my my man. You know, I'm going out on the story. So we get to um, um, I can't remember. It's, it's the venue he did his last concert at. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Atlanta. I can't remember what what uh, the venue was called. But it's a small theater. It's actually a big theater, but it's small in the heart. Not in the heart of Atlanta, but um, it's in Atlanta. So, anyways, we get there and. The best time I've ever had was seeing my idol walk past me and wave. Like, everybody says he was mystical, and I'm going to agree with that. That man is so mystical, so spiritual, that you can't even open your mouth to say anything. And, and I always have a lot to say. So when I saw him and he looked me in my eye and I looked him in his eye and he waved and I waved, I, I didn't know what, I almost fainted. <laughs> almost fainted because my 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 idol was 
front of me. Now, yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because every time when I'm watching all the talk shows, you know, from Jimmy Fallon to James Corden, when when you have some of the, the musical guests, when they were talking about Prince, about, you know, just like you're saying that uh, he was very mystical and most of the time he won't be able to answer the phone. You know, he'll have some like unknown assistant and things like that. Yeah, um, that was the uh, that concert was called Jam of the Year, um, and I enjoyed every minute of the concert. Um, I even loved, you know, you know, Prince had all kinds. He was dapper all the time. He always dressed well. His hair was well. Everything was perfected on his body. Okay, so I particularly saw him wear the famous butt cheek pants that were out, <laughs> and. Um, I was like, first of all, I didn't think it was real, but it was real. He had those pants on, that whole suit on. It was great. That was a good concert. Good concert. Listen, that man's a genius, a musical genius, and anytime he can, he can just strum and strum a note, and you're dancing, ready, and want more. Yeah. Now that was the next question I was about to ask you. What was going through your mind when you saw Prince on stage, and and just like you said. His appearance, you know, everything, you know, and I, I remember one time when they had the MTV VMAs back in 1991 when he had the new song, Get Off, that spells G-E-T-T-O-F-F. And when he had on that wardrobe, you can see his bear behind on stage. And they had a little warning saying, warning, this scene may affect you know, younger viewers. Right. Uh, so when I, when I, when I met, when I saw him up close and personal, what was going through my mind, the first time that I ever saw him, you would think this man is 10 foot tall. Okay. Because he has such a big personality and a big, you know, just strong presence in music. But when you look at him physically, he is literally, he was shorter than I was. And I'm not that tall. I'm like 5'5", five, five, and he had to be 5'2", five, 5'3". Five, so when I saw him, I was a little taken back how, how petite he was. He's very small. That was my first thing. I'm like, wow, he's so small, but so big, you, you know? That was my first thought. Yeah, when I look at him on TV or on stage, you know, just like you said, you know, we don't even know if he was small or, or things like that. When I looked into... Ebony Magazine, I know he was small, but I remember back then in 1984, he had a bodyguard. He was like big muscular, like Hulk Hogan. I was like... Yeah. Yep. I know I know exactly, yeah. I, that big man, he was a big man that would take the, uh, take the hit from him, that's for sure. Hmm. Now, how many Prince albums did you have back then? Back then or now? Well, I should say all the above. Okay, so I think let me let me think. I think I have most of the albums. Um, there might be like the CD Bridge I didn't get. I didn't. I wasn't into or Batman. You know the soundtracks for the the the, the movies and stuff like that. Um, I really didn't buy those, but you can listen to it online if you want to. But I have I pretty much have a big collection of Prince music. Um, 
Because let me tell you something, Prince always, he satisfied my soul in so many different ways as far as music. I love rock and roll. I like country. I like some blues. I like, and I like funk. And I like R&B. And Prince on every single album, whether it's, I don't know, whatever, whatever he put out, you always had to buy an album because he would definitely pay to what you, for, at least for me, he would definitely have a song that suited my soul at the time. So, for instance, what was it? I, uh, let's see. Um, if I Was Your Girlfriend, that was one song that I loved so much when I was in young, my younger days. That was something funky, but he also had some other um, music that um, that he uh, produced with other artists. Um, what is the Third Eyed Blind? That was really funk and and rock and roll. And there was a song on there I think called Funk Funk and Rock and Roll. What is it called? Um, yeah, Funk and Roll. And um, so he played through through my life. Like like I said, it's every once in a while I throw in some rock. You might not think that I like rock music, but I do. I will. I can if I could play the lead guitar, I would. And Prince would have a song on the, uh, on his albums that dedicated to, like, you know, would have a, a heavy presence of lead guitar and you know, rock and roll. So he was. That's why he was special to me as an artist because he he embodied a lot of uh, what I liked as in music genre. Okay. What was your favorite Prince song? I know he had a lot of songs. I know it's very hard to choose one of them, and most of them were number one hits. But what was your favorite Prince song besides the ones that we just mentioned? No way I can answer that. No way. Every album he put out, and I'm going to say again, every album he put out, there was something on that I liked. But if you want to say what my favorite album is, I'm going to say... Um, the Emancipation album. Um, yeah, jam after jam, after jam on that album that you cannot um, ignore. And it was a two disc album, so you went from one disc to the other. There was some more stuff on there. Um, let's see, Purple Rain was definitely one because that um, that changed me. That song, that album, changed me as a teen. And I'm sure it changed a lot of people at whatever, however it hit them. It just changed me as a teen as far as music. Um, before I was in the television, Sam, you know, I was a music major. So, um, and I wanted to, I wanted to be, I wanted to be up there, you know, playing music with some of the greatest. But um, I think Emancipation is one of my favorite albums, along with, um, along with Purple Rain, which was, uh, to me, I think it's so mainstream. Um, Another album that I like is One Night Alone. It's more jazzy. And um, and one of my other favorites is 3121. The album 3121. Wow. Since you brought that up, I didn't know that music was your major. You know, to me, when I was graduating from Truman High School and on my way to trade school, my first choice was radio broadcasting, but I got turned down for that back in 1985 so my second choice was graphic arts and design but you know as the years go by you know it kept calling me because when I was younger you know when I was um at a funeral for my paternal grandmother there was a station called WPFW in Washington DC and that's PBS 
and they were playing all of the Mother's Day songs. And when it got to my attention, I was saying to myself, how come we don't have no oldie station in the LYC? And, you know, back then, you know, I was not happy with what was going on in radio, especially black radio. As when I was watching Unsung on TV One, I've seen all the artists. You've seen them on major labels. There were some new CEOs, new presidents in different departments. You know, the decades were changing. The music was changing. And there are some of the artists that were not happy with some new changes, you know, especially for the listeners and the audience. They like to keep it the way things are. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when you said there was back in the day, there was no platform for black music. And since you're a radio person, Sam, you remember that the black music wasn't on FM. It was on AM. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember back then we had WWRL back in the 60s and 70s, you know, and then later during the 70s, you know, back then you had WLIB, which changed its call as WBLS. So they had WLIB AM 1190. So back in the mid 70s, it was just playing Lost Soul. And then when they had their sister station, WBLS, you know, they all of my favorite DJs, you know, Ken Spiderweb and Vi Higginson and Frankie Crocker and Lamar Renee and Vaughn Harper, just to name a few. But when I met my stepfather, who's Jamaican back in 1974, um, we were just flipping the WLIB because they were started doing Caribbean music on Saturday mornings from sign on time, 6 a.m. up until 12 noon. And they will play some of the Lost Soul music until it sign off at around 7 or 7.30. So I've gotten, you know, exposed to all types of music. Yeah, me too. Uh, being a military brat, I, I was, uh, there was never, um, back in the day, there was never a place for black music. So um, I think New York... This is just for me. I'm not talking about anybody else. For me, when I was overseas, New York was the closest thing that we had during the time for black music. I think from like on Saturdays or on the weekends, I'll say the weekends, from 6 p.m. until 10 p.m. when it was played nothing but black music, today's black music that day, that era. And, you know, back then it was hip hop um, and um and celebrating, and speaking of hip hop, we're going to celebrate the same, you know, congratulations and happy birthday, 50 years of um, hip hop going on there. Um, so, yeah, um, I, like I said, I remember a lot of times that there were not enough um, ways for um, the black community to, um, um, for their music to be heard. Yeah, well, me growing up, you know, when my mom had to go to work, uh, she dropped me off to, you know, my maternal grandparents' house. So when I was staying with my maternal grandparents, my grandfather would play some Motown and start playing some Atlantic records. Was Back then, it was all soul, jazz, and R&B label before it branched out to pop music. And when Stax came along, when my grandfather pulled out that Isaac Hayes LP called the Isaac Hayes Movement, it was four songs too long and i was exposed to that because he isaac hayes started rapping or talking 
and then segue into the song. He would take a song and strip it and stretch it as far as the eye can see. And then... Sometimes these songs are 12 minutes, 12, 15 minutes long. One song. Too long. 15 minutes long. That's a whole concert. <laughs> yeah, and then when I was dropped off at my maternal aunt's apartment in the Bronx, she would play gospel music all day, whether it was James Cleveland or Shirley Caesar or gospel quartets. And then when my mom dropped me off at her friend's house, you know, they would play, you know, some lost soul. They would play some Philly International. They would play a little bit of jazz here and there. So when my mom had, uh, you know, met this, this guy that she didn't tell me who was from Chicago until 2009, you know, we had a couple of jazz albums back then. So um, I was exposed to all types of music, but not country music, not until, you know, later on, because I've never listened to country music, and I never had. Listen, country music is the bomb, okay? If you, if you really get into the words, they're always talking about somebody, you know, some, something that happened in their life, or maybe their friend's life, or whatever, but it's true. You got to listen to the words of the song. That's what makes it, the words of the song. So, yeah, I didn't get into country music, but I listen, listen here. I will listen to it, especially if it, if it uh, strikes my soul. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of like everything. Now, Prince had so many changes with the band. What was your favorite band? Was it the Revolution or the New Power Generation? Um, I'm going to go with New Power Generation because I am funk. I love funk. Funk. I mean, I liked it with the Revolution too, um, but New Power Gener Generation took it to the next level as far as the '90s. Okay, and back then I was a big time. You know, I, I used to love to dance, and um, his music was hitting at that time uh, with uh, MPG. Okay, very interesting. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll talk with more about the legacy of Prince along with my friend and colleague Tanya Dunham. We're going to talk about everything about his female prodigies and Purple Rain and many other things that I know that the listeners out there want to know more about what we don't know about Prince. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to my new podcast called the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. If you haven't, now you get a chance to tune in and listen to seasons one and two of my Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, where I play all your favorite black music and we give you new topics and you never know what I'm going to be playing next. So all you need to do is pick, browse, and make sure you tune in. And if you want to hear the whole podcast episode, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. But if you want me to continue with season three, then I need your help. Make sure you pass it on to your friends, your family relatives, your neighbors, your co-workers, your church members, your classmates, and for those that don't even know. And if you want to hear all the favorite black music that you missed and love, make sure you tune in and support my podcast 
the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast, where I bring you all your favorite black music from yesterday and today, and hopefully I will get a brand new special guest to come on to my podcast. So come on out and make sure you tune in to the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. All you have to do is subscribe by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash subscribe. And please support my podcast. Go to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash support. And make sure you tune in to the Black Soul Music Experience podcast every Tuesdays. Available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for your support. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. As we are celebrating Black Music Month. And we're going to be doing a topic on the man, the music, the legend. We're doing the legacy of Prince. And with me is my very special guest, my friend and colleague from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Now, we're going to talk about Prince's female protégés back in the days. So let me ask you, Tanya, who was your favorite female protégé from back then? Um, I'm going to say Apollonia. No, Chile E, Apollonia, Vanity. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> There's so many that, that were a part of his life back in the day. Um, but because Vanity and Apollonia were in uh, Purple Rain and did other things, um, they're first, and then Sheila E's second. Well, um, I'm going to say the same thing. You know, first was, you know, Vanity, you know, when Prince started the group Vanity Six, and then when Vanity left, you know, Apollonia came in. And then just like you said, Sheila E, you know, and then after that, during the later 80s, uh, Sheena Easton came in. Oh, yeah. uh, Sheena, yes, Sheena Easton. And there were some other prophecies that, that came in. I mean, he had um, Judith Hill. You know, she was the, I mean, she is a great singer. That, that woman can sing her behind off, and she's an artist, too. Uh, Judith Hill also worked with um, Michael Jackson on a lot of songs, too. So um, Judith Hill was a big, um, a big, a big part of his life. They sung. I think they did a couple of songs on Thirty One Twenty One too. When I when I think about it, um, and today's artists we have Janelle Monae, um, Jill Jones. We have uh, who else? Mm. Oh yeah, Rosie Gaines. You know she was a she was uh, you know um, a part of the NPG era with them. Andy Alio, Alio. Wow, that's a lot of right so there. Oh, Sinead O'Connor. Oh my God. You know, nothing compared was uh he wrote it and gave it to her. And she became a big time superstar, you know. Now, what was your favorite music video from Prince back then? Oh so you, you, you come up with these hard questions. Like that's so hard to that's like asking what's my favorite pair of shoes <laughs> one you know what i'm saying or socks or something like that i had many um videos that i loved um 
and I'm going to say this because I missed I missed a lot a big part of um, the '80s part because I was overseas, so I didn't see a lot of videos until I came back stateside. Um, but my favorite video that still touches my heart every time, even though it's I, I call it mainstream because he has so much other music that people don't even listen to, but they listen to. So Purple Rain was one of my favorite videos. Um, my second favorite video was Raspberry Beret. I just love the colors in that uh, in that uh, video, and he was so cute. I mean, uh, from the beginning, you know, the, the dancers, everybody dancing, doing the same move and everything. I just loved everything about that video because um, the colors mostly, and um, and I loved the way he was just cute. He was real <laughs> in the video. And let me see. There was an oh. There's this uh, song called The One. Have you ever heard of that? No, I never heard of that. All right, so this is a song about, um, it's called The One, like he's a man. You you can look it up on YouTube or anywhere. Um, so the video is with Mai Tai, and it, it was so beautifully, put, she produced it. And it was about, if it was basically Prince saying, if you're looking for a man, I'm the one. If you're looking for somebody who's not going to play games, I'm the one. So the, the the video was uh, full of Mai Tai and her dancers surrounding Prince and this beautiful blue. It was so beautiful, like heaven. And so uh, it's a beautiful love song. I, 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 you got to check it out. That was another good video that I love. And then there's so many more, but those are three that just came out in my head right now. Yeah, speaking of writing, uh, Prince wrote a song for this other female group. I don't know if you remember them. That was part of his female protégés. The, the name of the group was called The Bangles. They came out in 1986, and he wrote the song for the, for the female group. And Prince had a crush. Yeah, Prince had a crush on the lead singer, Susanna Hoffs, and the name of the song was called Manic Monday. Ow, oh, I did not know that he was, like, writing songs not just for himself, but many others that, you know, had, that blend a lot of everything. Yep. He he did a lot. He wrote songs for a lot of artists, uh, people you wouldn't even believe. Now, let's talk about Purple Rain, uh, the soundtrack LP, and the movie. Now, in case you may not know, the movie had grossed over billions of dollars at the box office, and the soundtrack album itself sold over more than five or seven or eight or nine million copies in print. I didn't see the movie because I know 1984 was like blockbuster full of movies, you know, Star Trek three and Romancing the Stone and Ghostbusters and many other movies and Beverly Hills Cop as well. Well, you know, I wasn't a big, huge Prince fan back then, but I remember back on the radio when 1984 Many pop radio stations that played Michael, they played Prince, they played Bruce, they played Madonna, Cindy Lauper, Tina Turner. You know, those are the big go-getters of all the hits. They were playing everything nonstop. So what was your memories of, you know, of the movie or the soundtrack album? What was going through your mind? Well, when the movie came back out, came out for me, I was overseas and I was a teenager and me and our, my closest friends went to see the movie. It was, um, it was sort of like uh, sweet, uh, 16 candles. Like it was 
the the movie for all teens at that time. It was a it was a, a game changer in the music industry and in film. You have an artist who is now uh, an actor, you know, um, and played hit songs. And you the whole thing is that you saw him rise from being a local town singer to something getting ready to be something great. And then we had a peek into what they say was possibly his real true family life. And um, you got to see him smile a lot. That's for sure. <laughs> um, his closest friends, you know, uh, the time was his, uh, Morris Day and uh, Andre Simone and all them. They were all in the movie too. They were all good friends, even though they had uh, beef on the film. Uh, they were still best friends because they all grew up together. They were all in the same band uh, when they first started out. They went to the same high school. So they were sort of like uh, the coolest of the coolest, uh, just um, young young adults who we were, who I aspired to be as far as a musician at that time. And uh, the the soundtrack, my gosh, still if you play it to this day, I think I'm 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 thinking I'm 15 or 16 years old, not less than that. Uh, I think I was 14 when it when that um album and that movie came out. Um, but if you listen to the album soundtrack, I mean, Purple Rain, he, he played that Purple Rain is just something else. He played that during the Super Bowl, and it still rings to this day. Like, he's the best guest on the Super Bowl ever. And then it rained when he was singing Purple Rain. Come on now. that's the, I mean, come on. There ain't nothing but the heavens speaking to you right there. But he had a lot of hits on that um, album that broke um, not just uh, all genres. It broke all genres, so it crossed over to to the uh, the rock and roll side, the soul side. You know, it was just a, a beautiful album that was beautifully written. Now, back in the the later nineties, after when he had the New Power Generation, he changed his name to what the heck? He changed his name to to some circle and then cross and an arrow turning upside down. Were you surprised when he had changed his name to whatever the symbol was? Yeah, they call him they call they call him Tap Tap, meaning the the artist formerly known as Prince Tap Tap. Um, and uh, through his um, uh, see, listen, Prince was a very spiritual person, whether you believe it or not. He was very spiritual in everything that he did. If you look at the, uh, his albums, um, his songs on his albums, there's something always about god in there okay um and in, in one of the interviews how he got he was asked how he got that symbol and uh, basically he was saying that the um the angels the spirit world gave him that vision and he ran with it and took it and that's what that's what it what it is today so um it's basically a cross between the the woman's sign and the men's the man sign and i think he threw in a, a cross you know it's a cross between the two so it was a vision that was given to him and he took it and he did it I remember when I was watching the American Music Awards back in 1985 of January when they were celebrating the anniversary of We Are The World. I remember he had a word on his, I think it was left or right face. It had slave on the name on his face. And when they were performing the song, I remember one time Prince was sucking on a lollipop and giving it to Quincy Jones. Was like, what you doing, Prince? 
don't give me that lollipop that came out of your mouth. I was like, what in the world he was doing? Yeah, that was that song, Billy Jack Bitch. And uh, because he was a slave, he felt he was a slave to the system. Like, uh, he's producing and writing and doing all this work, but the record company wanted to take ownership of his, uh, of his music, and that wasn't right. And it still ain't right. You know, so he was he was protesting, saying that, look, this is my stuff. And you have no right to my stuff, period. And I think what he did uh, changed the game in the music industry um, for all artists. You need to have your own rights to your masters. That's your stuff, your creativity, your babies that were born. So he opened the door. He cleared the way. For our order, artists to just fight for their for their creativity. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that because um, when you see so many artists have fight, you know, with you know record deals, and you know when you we just mentioned Prince was had a fight with Warner Brothers Records about creative control, you know, doing what he wants to do, not to have someone to dictate to him what the executives of the record company wants to do and and, I, and you're right you know prince had paved the way for other artists who wants to make sure that their master recordings are protected you know that belongs to them and 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 everything so let me share something with you um when cbs had records before they move out in 1992 when it was on the corner of East 52nd Street and Madison Avenue, I was just dropping off a package delivery to the record department. And let me tell you, I got a chance to see everything downstairs in the basement. All of the master tapes, everything from Barbara Streisand to Johnny Mathis and Bruce Springsteen and Michael Jackson and his brothers and on solo and Cindy Lauper, and I got a chance to see all the others from when Gamla Huff were with CBS. I've seen master recordings of the OJs and Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and Teddy Pendergrass and Lou Rawls and the Three Degrees. And then when the Isley Brothers had their own label, T-Neck, they had their master recordings too. And then I saw when Def Jam was with CBS, and I saw you know master recordings of LL Cool J and public enemy just to name a few i got a chance to see everything so just like you said you know you know many artists wants to take care of their master recordings and to make sure that we have creative control and most importantly money yeah that that's awesome i didn't know you had seen all that Yep, I, I saw everything, everything, and I mean everything. Well, that was an exciting time working in radio, too. Radio was uh, really big back in the day. More than TV, you know, that was the first communication thing anyway, so. Now, um, let's get to the other question. Now, when when we heard the news when, when Prince had passed away, you know, on that afternoon. Where were you when you heard the news that Prince had passed away? I was at work in the newsroom. And I couldn't believe it. I stood up and I was like, no way. No way. Thinking that it was a, 
it was a fluke, but, uh, you know, in the news, you get certain data first. And um, then it was confirmed. I, I couldn't believe it. I started crying right there in the newsroom. And I wasn't the only one crying. There was other Prince fans that I didn't even know they were Prince fans that stood up and started crying, too. We were like, what? Couldn't believe it. That because you 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 think you would think that Prince would be around until the end of time. His music was timeless and everything, but you would think that man would still be creating and making music to the end of time and not pass away at such an early age. You, you understand? So it was a total shock to everybody. Yeah, because not only Prince, but the vanity had passed away a little earlier, like around January or February. But you know. I couldn't believe that Prince had passed away, too, because we've lost so many musicians and other legends in 2016. I was like, man. And Prince was wearing them big, big cowboy boots and everything, big high heel shoes. When you start seeing them perform, he would like be kicking and things like that. And then he was complaining that he had to get some painkillers because when you wear them shoes, I'm telling you, you have to be careful and everything and and the thing about your health too yeah i don't think it was the shoes i think he had a lot of hip problems from jumping off of high speakers and pianos and doing splits the way he did so that's allegedly i don't know exactly you know we, we don't know what would happen for sure you know so all we know is that a legend is gone and um but his music still lives on um and um even though his music is not, he's not here. He, to me, he's still in my heart as far as his music and watching old videos of him performing. Um, he was a great guitarist. Like, um, I don't know if you, like, I, I'll, I'll explain to you. There's this one video that I, that if I'm feeling sad or not even feeling sad, just want to hear something extraordinary. And he has a song called that extraordinary. Um, I will put on, he had, this is live concert, and he played the, the song called Shh. And he made the song first for Te Seven Camels. Then he took it back and he made it his own. But the guitar solo in this, this music right here is extraordinary. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, so him and John Blackwell, which is the, 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 the drummer at the time, and then um, John Blackwell was his, drummer for a long, a lot of years. And just like uh, Vanity had passed away, John Blackwell uh, died too a couple years ago. So it was Vanity, John Blackwell, and then Prince. So a lot of people in his uh, first band died. Crazy. Um, but anyways, uh, that electric guitar solo for that song um, is something out of this world. And he played like something out of this world so i i i don't know I, I know i went off topic but i was just thinking about that song and everything and uh the way he played his instruments and all that other good stuff it's just ugh, mind-blowing now yes now prince was romantically linked to all the ladies i think we've just mentioned um sheila e and vanity and Apollonia and and Sheena Easton and and everybody. Um, I don't know if we can name all the ladies that he once dated. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I can't. I can't name all the ladies he dated. In fact, I don't even know if he dated them. We don't know what he was doing. We know he had women. That that's for sure. He had women. Um, uh, my type. His wife was uh, the first wife. So, um, and she was a uh, she was a young girl. She they met when she was before she was eighteen. And um, met at a show. I can't remember where exactly. It was some show. She was there with her mother. And he spotted her when he was walking through the building, saying, that's my future wife. And, and lo and behold, that was his wife for like four, three, about three years, I think. Three years they were married. And then he had, um, uh, what was her name? I think it was Mate Garcia. Yeah, that was my type. Yeah, my type. But he married somebody else. I forgot her name. Started with M2. Now, um, after Princess's death, there were some things that he had. Um, there were some other, um, other songs, you know, that he written. And 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 speaking of that, there was an album that had when I was at the Rock and Soul Records, um, downtown, and that's my spot because I go to the place where I find some LPs and CDs and my DJ equipment. But there was an LP that just came out when I was watching on YouTube and there's stuff right now on iTunes. It's called The Unreleased Tracks. And that includes some of the songs that he wrote, but it never became hits for him, but there were some hits for others. And we just mentioned Nothing Compares to You. It was written by him. It was performed by him, but it wasn't a hit for him until it became a hit for Miss Sinead O'Connor, and also another song called Do Me Baby. He wrote the song, and it wasn't a hit for him, but it later became a hit for Miss Melissa Morgan. That song went to number one. So when my stepfather bought that Melissa Morgan 45 single, I thought, you know, Prince wrote the song for Melissa, but when I was watching TV One's Unsung, when the producers for Melissa Morgan's debut LP, they wanted her to do the song. And she said, I'm not doing that song. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it be like a little risque for her. But when she performed it, the rest was history. The song went to number one on Billboard's R&B Black Singles Shorts back in January of 1986 for two weeks. Let me tell you, you know, there are some songs that they don't want to do because of Prince, but when they just took that song and made it their own, the rest was history. And, you know, that's the same thing with uh, his other song, I Feel For You. That wasn't a hit for him, but it later became a hit for Miss Shaka Khan. So on that song, they added some of the DJs mixing and everything. And had a little sample from Stevie Wonder's fingertips. So we thought it was Prince, but that wasn't him. But the producers that gave it to Shaka Khan and, you know, turned it around and made it their own. Yeah. He did a lot in the music world, definitely. A lot of things that nobody knows about, he did a lot. A lot. And um, and you can only expect that he he gave back to the world. I want to say it, the world, because 
you know, you didn't know that he he supported a lot of music um, programs in schools in Minneapolis and and everywhere. You know, we you didn't know that he paid for um, funerals and things like that. Um, he was a silent person, silent giver is what I call him. Wow, that's very interesting. Yes, he he did a lot. Um, we're gonna take another break, and we're gonna get to some final ones. You know, we're gonna talk about what what was your pilgrimage to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and what was it like to see everything. So we're gonna get to some of that before we close up shop. So I'm Sam Wilson Jr. talking to my friend Tanya Dunham as we talk about the legacy of Prince. You're listening to the Black Soul Music Experience. Welcome back to the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. as we celebrate Black Music Month with the legacy of Prince. Now before we wrap things up, I want to hear from you, America, and I want to hear from you all around the world. What was your favorite Prince song from back in the day? Please share it with me. Go to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash messages. I want to hear a word from you. Please share with me. Share with our audience here in the United States and all around the world. What was your favorite Prince song from back in the day? It could be a couple or a few or many. I know there's a lot of Prince songs out there. It's hard to pick. But his music was so good. So please share it with me. Go to anchor.fm slash Samuel dash Wilson Jr. slash messages. And I want to hear a word from you. All right. Let's continue on as we continue with the legacy of Prince with my special guest, my friend and colleague from CBS News, Miss Tanya Dunham. Now, we got a, a few more questions before we wrap things up. Now, there was something that I was watching on YouTube, and that was coming from CBS's affiliate WCCO in Minneapolis, Minnesota. There was some lost footage of Prince when he was younger before he got into the music business. There was some lost footage about him and that was aired on CBS mornings back then. Were you surprised when you saw those footage of Prince when he was younger before he became famous? Yeah, I was actually surprised. Just as surprised as the person who was pulling the archives. Like he was a, a school. He was in school, elementary school, I believe. Yeah. So they were and they interviewed him. It was crazy. So back in the day, yeah, he was he was I, I believe he was destined to be a star. They got footage of him when he was in second grade or third. I know it was elementary school. I can't, I can't remember the grade, but um, yeah. And speaking of Minneapolis, they also have named the highway um, uh, um, recently. I think in the last two weeks, they named the new highway after him. Wow, that's that's some very interesting. It's very amazing. You know, it's kind of like everything is changing and things like that. Now, speaking of that, tell us what your 
pilgrimage to Minneapolis, Minnesota was like? Um, you just mentioned they named the highway after Prince. Um, you got a chance to see the whole city. What was your experience of traveling to Minneapolis, Minnesota? Um, it was surreal. Surreal that I was in a space where the most creative person, soul, and I'm he's not the only one, but the one that I know uh, in my lifetime, I was in his space where he created hits. After hit, after hit, after hit. And just to be in his face was just surreal to me. Um, I remember the day before I was getting, I was so excited the day before I was getting ready to go. I didn't get the ultimate package because they had sold out. So I got the package under it where you can tour and um, take pictures inside the studios that he was in, that he had, Studio A and B. Um, so... The, the day of, I wore nothing but purple, all the way down to the socks, okay? When I got to, um, we took an Uber over to uh, Paisley Park in Chanhassen, and um, my, my uh, I, I can't describe my soul, but it was jittery. And so um, when I walked inside, um, the elevator where he died in, where he died, was covered up by a wall. So that was strange. It was covered up by a wall and some pictures, but you knew the elevator was there and it probably still is. They just covered it up. Um, through the whole experience, you got to see his shoe collection, you know, his, his instruments, his studios, um, where he ate. But the, the first room that we went in during the tour was his office space. And that was the most exciting part of the whole tour to me. Um, because I saw... They had left, they supposedly had left everything the way he had left it when he died. So on his desk, he was writing letters, he was writing songs. Um, but the most important thing that I saw that was on a, on an end table were these books that he were reading. That's the Bible, something about pharaohs and goddesses, um, and um, other parts of the, other spiritual stuff. So I was most intrigued by that because, like I said, um, Prince to me was, um, um, how can I say this? To me was a uh, spiritual guidance. Like he guided, um, you know, he was a Jehovah Witness, of course, and um, but very spiritual. So I don't know if you ever heard of the term back in the day when he had his uh, Purple Rain album. Um, if you played a certain song backwards, you would hear a message. Did you hear that about that? No, I never heard about that. So on, um, I can't remember. Oh my God, I'm having a brain fart right now. But one of the songs on the Purple Rain album, uh, Prince, um, I can't remember what it is. I think it's Baby I'm a Star. Hello. But anyways, uh, if you played a certain song on that album backwards, you would hear a message that he was saying, um, saying that God was coming back. Okay, and he did that a lot on a lot of his albums. And it's, it, it's actually a technology move that he did. So you play the song backwards, you would hear um, a message. But anyway, um, so to me, being at, at Paisley Park at that time was very spiritual to me. I'm not going to lie. I cried because it hurt really bad that this man is gone from this earth that, and, and I truly cherish. Look, I named my dog Prince, okay? I had, <laughs> I had a poodle back then. He was a toy poodle, and his name was Prince, okay? 
Um, that's how much we, I love Trent. Me and my sister, I made them love him too. So, but anyways, um, yeah, I named my dog Prince. My second dog was named Princess. So Prince has been in our lives all through our lives, okay? So being in that space, and Chan Haston and his studios, oh, my God, the studio, Sam, I just, you can't believe that he made music there. Like, he made, listen, listen he had a ping pong table there because you know he liked ping pong. He had a basketball court. You know he loved to play basketball. And, um, um, the second part, the second part that I really enjoyed was his shoe collection. I ain't gonna lie, his shoes were off the chain. Yeah, so I enjoyed my time there. I wish I could spend more time. I wish I can, you know, I'm the person who's not going to be the mainstream person. Like, if you ask me what song that I'm listening to today of Prince, I'm going to say this, uh, the newest, his last album, which was 2015, the Art, uh, Art, the Age of Artificial. Um, what is it? Oh, oh my God. I'm having big time brain farts. But anyways, um, I listen to a lot of B-side stuff, the stuff that you wouldn't even think about. Now, you brought up basketball, which we didn't know that Prince had played some basketball back then before he became famous because there was a picture of him in a basketball team. And speaking of basketball, I'm sure you remember Chappelle's show when they was doing the skit on Prince when the late Charlie Murphy was talking about Prince and playing basketball. I was like, is this for real? You mean Prince had played basketball back then before he became famous? Did did you did you know about that? He was good. Look, he was small. He could run fast. Wow, at five foot two, he can run fast. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Everything. Now Ever since Prince had passed away, his albums had soared. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, well, when I looked at my iTunes, I've seen the whole Prince catalog. Everything from his debut LP all the way up to his final LP to his unreleased tracks. His last LP, which was consist of unreleased tracks that were released to the public. And let me tell you, when you when when you see a lot of like singers that have passed away, he or she would leave a lot of albums that was soaring. I'm telling you, everything from Michael to Whitney to Aretha, the big go-getters, everything was sold over a million copies in print. The music was soaring, the sales have gone up. And and even his IRS, I mean. Prince had left over 160, excuse me, 163.2 million dollars from his estate. It is worth 163.2 million dollars. And we were surprised that he didn't put his family members on his will. That was something strange. I don't think he I don't think he believed in he didn't believe in that. You can't take it with you. But he did leave a frenzy, that's for sure. But I I I I'm you know, I'm sure he believed that everything will work out for the best, you know? Yeah, because even his family members were like saying, How come he didn't write us in the well? You know the old saying, folks. 
you know, when you leave a will, when you have family members have something left for you, you know, there's an old saying, if they left you a little bit or they left you nothing at all, they'll be fighting over some a lot of stupid stuff. You agree? Well, well, it's settled now. That's all I can say. It's settled now. The sisters and brothers have control. They're, they're definitely picking up the money from the museum itself. Um, they're keeping his legacy alive. And um, that's all that really matters. Now, speaking of the museum, I got a chance to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum uh, again back in 2018. So, But, but before that, I was watching the VH1's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees back in 2004. And Alicia Keys and um, Outkast, they were inducting Prince into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Speaking of Alicia, I believe that Alicia Keys had did his song called How Come You Don't Call Me Anymore. That was from Alicia Keys' debut LP. So... I didn't know that Alicia Keys was a big, huge Prince fan as well because she was singing one of his songs as well. Do you agree? Yeah, I think, um, well, I have not been to the Rock and Roll um, Museum. And where is that at? Oh, it's in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, I have not been, but it's on my bucket list to go. You know, and Cleveland's not that far from here, I don't think. Yeah, because that was my first experience because I was asking my cousins from the Wilson Dix family because we have a cousin in Cleveland, Ohio, who's originally from North Carolina, and she moved there by marriage. So my cousins was asking, what should we go to for the next family reunion? This was in 2010. What should we do for 2012? And I told my cousin, I said, look, let's go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. Let's check out everybody. Everybody is there. Mahalia Jackson is there. Michael Jackson is there. And, you know, Miles Davis and hip hop and everybody is there. And we was like, you know, everybody was picking. I was picking Cleveland. My other cousin was picking Colonial Williamsburg, Bush Gardens and my other cousins were saying, we go back to South Carolina. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> back, back, back. Because that was my cousin's birthplace, Mary McLeod Bethune. So we were supposed to have the other family reunion in 2018. But, you know, our matriarch of the family wasn't feeling well. So we had to scrap it to the last minute. But I already put in my vacation schedule. So I said, I'm going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum where I'm going to check everything out. So everybody was there. Prince was inducted in 2004. I mean, a lot of our black musicians were there. You have to start from the beginning. You know, start with blues and gospel and jazz and work your way up to other musicians that were influenced by them. So, you know, there's an old saying, you know, we started somewhere in rock and roll, and that was by us, us black folks. So we started in the church and took it on the road, and many performers went on to superstardom. So let me tell you my experience, Tanya. 
I was there for hours. It was like, it was so many artists. There's one that you just can't put it down or just stop for a few minutes. So I was there for plenty full of hours. So I was there in 2018. And then I went back there again in 2021 in June during Black Music Month because they were doing an exhibit in honor of Black Lives Matter with the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis that took place three years ago. They were doing an exhibit on that. So many black musicians, including Prince, he wrote a couple of songs with social issues, including Signs of the Times and one of his other songs that he written. And he donated the proceeds to the families in Baltimore, Maryland. So what was your favorite song from the um, Signs of the Times LP back in 1986? Um, hmm, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, hmm, that's a good question. Let me think. Um, I'm going to say, hmm, well, I definitely like Song Sign of the Times, that's for sure. I like that beat. Um, there's a couple songs on that song. Hold on. So let me remember what's on that album, first of all. Um, so I think it was um, How Quick. How Quick was on that album, I think. Um, and start, now listen, Starfish and Coffee was Goofy's. No, was that one? Not one? No, it's not one. Sign of the Times. You got to look. And If I Was Your Girlfriend. Oh my God. That's it. If I was your girl, that's my favorite song. And the other song that he had was Adore. So that was like a slow jam. And that was the last track from his album. So when BLS was playing the whole six minute of it, you know, he played everything. When when Kiss FM, when we had Kiss FM back then, they played the radio version. But when I heard the the original album version on YouTube, I said, that's the one I like. You know, I, I said, let me play that. And they were playing it while I was doing my travels, you know, when I went to Philly. You know, many other urban stations will play the whole album version. So you get the crust of it. Okay. You you still there, Tanya? I'm sorry. I'm still there. My mic was muted. <laughs> sorry about that. Um. Yeah, that album to me that they had a, that uh, that had a lot of um, hit songs on that, for sure. Um, but like I said, uh, that if I was your girlfriend, oh my God, still to this day, that song still hits my soul. Yeah, still up to this day, and and everything. Now, before we close out, just one more thing. Now, what? is your what would you like to see prince being remembered as i definitely want him to be remembered as one of the greatest artists of all time and he is a true musician um i don't want anybody to talk about how he died or anything like that look we all die and we die in crazy uh, ways and uh we don't want to talk about how he died. We just know that he's gone to the next level. And um, if you were 
born in this era when he was here, you're blessed. So I want him to be remembered as the greatest artist of all time, musician of all time. And uh, listen here, just like uh, Beyonce has her beehive, the Purple Army was first. Beyonce was second. Uh, I can't even say she was second. But the Purple Army is strong just like the beehive, okay? So we love him. We celebrate his life every day. And we do that by listening to his music. Now, you know there's a secret vault. It's not even a secret. It's a vault full of music. I wasn't allowed to go look at it when I was there. Nobody was. But um, the, the music they're releasing today is remastered old music that he started writing, and then the finished product was whatever song it was. What I want to hear is the stuff that he never put out, and that's in that vault. So I'm praying that the, uh, the brothers and sisters make sure that's done right, because he was a perfectionist. And um, I'm, I'm praying that this music comes out soon. Yeah, and the same fear for me as well. Now, before we go, there was um, an, a lost video that I was watching on my Facebook homepage. Now, you do know that Michael Jackson and Prince musical influences was on the Godfather of Soul, Mr. James Brown, hands down. So it's like when you he when you see Britney Spears and Beyonce and Christina Aguilera, and Justin Timberlake, and Usher, they all got it from Michael Jackson and Prince, just like Michael and Prince got it from James Brown. Now, there was another music video that I like. Um, it was directed by Spike Lee. It was called Money Doesn't Matter Tonight, and that was from um, the new Power Generation LP, Diamonds and Pearls. When I first saw that music video, you didn't see Prince in the music video all you see was just the regular people that you see on there and it was directed by spike lee so that was another social conscience issue that that's the song that i like you agree yeah i totally agree totally agree um listen i don't think they had a rivalry michael jackson and uh prince um i think the public did that I think both of them were just into music, period. Right. And um, they weren't studying none of that rivalry stuff that people were talking about. Nobody was done that. They were just studying, they were all about their music. Well, Tanya, it is a pleasure talking with you. It was wonderful that we spent some time on talking about your favorite musician, the legacy of Prince. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so much for sharing your wonderful memories and your trip to Minneapolis, Minnesota on the legacy of Prince. I appreciate you. Thank you. It was a fun and it was a pleasure to be on your podcast. Um, and I hopefully be back again. <laughs> yes, thank you once again. And thank you, everyone. Make sure you download all the greatest hits of Prince, which is streaming online right now. Go to iTunes.com and Spotify.com, or you can purchase a CD by going to Amazon.com. Thank you for joining me as I close out this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. 
Well, that's about it for this edition of the Black Soul Music Experience. I'm Sam Wilson Jr. Thank you for joining me, and please tune in next week for an all-new episode. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please subscribe by going to anchor.fm/samuel-wilson-jr/subscribe. And please support my podcast by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash support. And please leave your messages by going to anchor.fm slash Samuel Wilson Jr. slash messages. And don't forget to leave your comments, feedbacks, and your replies by going to my Facebook homepage. Go to facebook.com slash the Black Soul Music Experience Podcast. And you can also tweet me on Twitter at Sam Wilson Jr. 66. As always, party, remember this. Reach for the top and your dreams will come true and it can happen to you. From all of us, take care. God bless. Thanks for listening. Have a good week and please be safe. <laughs>